Welcome to the Menu Bar. I'm your host, Zach Saichi. Another musician-centered episode for you this week. We have Shiki, a.k.a. Android Lust, and she sits down with me to discuss how she got started as a musician, the problem with algorithms, the importance of albums, how she leverages technology in her work, her experience funding projects through Kickstarter, her work collaborating on the video game Agony, why Google is awful, and much more. This is episode 28, Never Forgive Google with Android Lust. Welcome to the menu bar. A place to relax, talk tech, and drink. So, uh, welcome to the menu bar. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I uh, I don't want to butcher your name. So, do I pronounce it uh, Shiki? Is that is that Shiki. right? Shiki. Shiki. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I've always wondered uh, how to pronounce your name properly. I, I've never. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the menu bar. We're kind of a kind of a bizarre technology show where we we do kind of talk a little bit about you know weekly technology type stuff. But I also okay. I also like to bring on um, kind of random random guests, kind of okay. from all over the place, just different walks of life, people who use technology in mm-hmm. different ways. Um, cool. Yeah. Right? So, and I've always been a huge fan of your music, uh, going all the way oh, back to, um, I think the, the first thing I ever saw of yours was the video for Stained. Oh, uh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, back in uh, 2002. Yeah, I think it was 2003, yeah. 2003? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so it's quite a quite a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been a huge fan of your music. Been following, you know, all of your album releases, and uh, so I think just to kind of get started, um, so how would you how would you define your sound to someone who's never heard your music before? Uh, you know, I try not to. <laughs> <because laughs> That's a good idea. So <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's generally electronic. It's um. It's super atmospheric. It's kind of dark. Um, I generally try to leave it at that. Um, I guess people always try to say, oh, you know, what do you sound like? Then that's that becomes a problem. But uh, <laughs> but generally it's, you know, it's it touches on industrial. It touches on experimental. It touches on, you know, some of it even dance, like some early stuff. Um, but I guess I would generally call myself experimental industrial. So if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that fits. Um, I've, I've personally never been able to like totally fit your yeah. sound into a box. And honestly, as your career has evolved over time, even less so. Yeah. No one really knows, you know, where to stick me. So <laughs> I guess that's good and bad. I mean, the, the, those are all my favorite uh, musicians, honestly, are, are the ones who you can't quite, quite define with any particular uh, label. So... Mm. Um, so uh, how did you, how did you get started as an artist? I've always been into music and, um, I started AL particularly because I was kind of tired of trying to work with people because people are generally, well, the people I've come across have been not super reliable. So it just ended up, you know, evolving into this thing where I stopped wanting to rely on people and just do it myself. So I, taught myself everything, you know, I'm still teaching myself everything as I need to, you know, go ahead and do. So that's really had the genesis of Android Lust, um, just sort of DIY, not having to rely on anyone, 
you know, and not having to be disappointed, you know, constantly. Right. That's that's super cool. So you you've always been kind of uh, you know, an independent um very kind of driven, maybe ambitious person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's I guess there's part of that in me and part of it's come, you know, has come about due to necessity. Sure. Because you have to be um but yeah, I mean, I've always been sort of self-motivated is it is it difficult with the kind of music that you're interested in with the kind of art that you want to do is it difficult to find other people who get it um you know yeah yes <laughs> is it, i was thinking that might be might play into play into the whole thing right like yeah i mean i guess the fact that the type of music i do um does sort of work you know work out as a for a solo musician right because right. you know it's all electronic and actually there was one album where i did have um right my my live band play and and that was because i was playing a lot of live shows and i wanted to incorporate that and and that was that was a different head and, and it was it was great it's just you know if it works out that's great but if it doesn't i'm not sort of stuck you know right so how how much of um so my understanding is that you pretty much do almost everything yourself. Is that is that correct? Or um... yeah, except obviously like the mastering. And recently, I've been um, having Chris, um, my live band, who's a keyboard player, and he's been doing a lot of the mixing recently. Cool. But other than that, like the creatively, yeah, it's pretty much me in the studio. Yeah, the way I, I've always kind of described you to friends to try to try to get them into your music is I've always kind of described you as like a female Trent Reznor. I don't I don't know if that's <laughs> <laughs> I, that might be kind of pigeonholing you in some weird strange way. I have heard that before. <laughs> I'm I'm sure you I'm sure the comparison has come up. Um, is uh, what uh, what kind of kinds of inspirations you know have like you know permeated mm. into your work? Like what what kind of music are you into personally? Mm. Well, early Trent actually was one of my influences, and um, so it's no accident the comparison. No, it's it's not. Well, because you know it was kind of like, well, he's doing it alone, even though he had a band, you know. So it seemed like he had already charted that path, you know. I mean, other people have too, but right. at that point, like when Ale started, right, that was definitely uh, an influence. Um, there's Skinny Puppy, obviously an influence. I'm a huge David Bowie fan. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean. Anything by David Bowie, I would probably listen to, and I love like most of his um, incarnations. Right. And um, I'm a huge fan of Kate Bush, like a lot of classic rock actually. And and currently, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Ben Frost and electronic music wise, and a couple of the newer bands I've been listening to, Author and Punisher and Hyde. Actually, we played with them a couple of months ago, and I didn't really know anything about them until. I heard them there. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I've been kind of listening to that. I definitely vary my musical taste. It's not really just one thing. I listen to, obviously, like I sing rock and um, classical even, sure. uh, electronic, pop, you know. It's kind of like you just got to try everything, you know, you know, you, whatever you're in the mood for. Absolutely. I mean, my, if I were to define my um, taste in music personally, it's like, it's mm -hmm. so all over the map. If you look at my, play, yeah. if you got my, look at my playlist, it's like, there's some pop music, there's some classical, yeah. there's some of your stuff. There's uh, you know, it goes all over the whole gamut, right? Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't understand people who kind of get stuck on uh, like one, one thing, right? 
Right, or, or even defining a genre by BPM. I mean, I just, I don't understand. <laughs> totally. Don't. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so uh, since this is a technology show, I'm going to ask you, so are you, are you a fan of technology? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I've always gotten the impression that, that technology factor is kind of big in your work, just, um, in terms of the, you know, your sound, uh, obviously use a lot of, a lot of synth, synths, and I assume mm-hmm. you use a lot of, uh, software on computer, um, do you primarily, uh, you know, create your music on a computer, um, how is, what is your like creative process like? Um, well, the last couple of albums, let's, um, let's talk about that. Cause I've sure. been um, very much interested in, um, field recording. Mm. So like environmental sounds. So I would go out with a portable recorder and I would just capture. Cool. Like a, like a zoom recorder. Yeah. Zoom or actually currently I have a Roland, but, um, oh, nice. I would just go out. I had a zoom too. Um, just record whatever really kind of um catches my ear and sometimes i just record indiscriminately just walking around and um and then i come home and then i would just sit and basically sift through sift through all that sound to create like atmospheres or percussion sounds and that's been kind of the bulk of my last two even i would say it started with human animal because i was just walking around new york with my recorder and just like oh this is going to be a great sound or sometimes it picks up these strange harmonics which is whatever is happening you know outside and then you hear that and and that could be the basis of a song so but ultimately i bring it back and i just process it and i just you know create a palette from that and then right. like that that would be the sonic palette for for example song a and um but i do incorporate a lot of live sounds too like i have i have a live drummer that i work with and i would go and sample stuff like i have a whole session where we'd record a certain the way we did some prepared drum sessions for the last album berlin and that again like that was like the the percussive sort of the sonic bit of it and then other things would get layered on top of it so i do a lot of sound manipulation basically that's in software obviously and um i've um kind of been moving towards hardware synth recently too cool um just because you know it kind of gets boring looking at the screen for a while yeah and it's also a different head when you're just basically patching up a sound you're thinking differently and it's something that's been interesting and inspiring me because just because it's a different process and and i get bored from doing the same thing over and over again so I don't know, maybe the next album I'll work with some people because <laughs> it's just, I got to keep myself interested. You know, I got to keep doing, otherwise it just, it's boring. You, yeah. know, you just got to, you just got to keep growing. You just got to keep doing new things. Totally. I used to make, uh, I used to make like, you know, not great music, but like music in, um, Fruity Loops, like the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. loop program. And I, uh, that was a long time ago, but it's it's so much more satisfying to you know sit down with a synth box and turn knobs and and mess with stuff right like it just to manipulate manipulate sounds it's just a different head i mean for a while i was doing i think devour was almost entirely software yeah i think almost entirely software driven i think it was i was using reactor a lot for that one but yeah i it just you know i'm like okay it's good but i could almost hear I can almost hear the math being charged. Mm. <laughs> so, you're, so you're not a fan of uh, things that sound programmed? Well, it 
it depends. You know, I'm kind of like, it has to be in context. I liked it when I did it. You know, now I, I'm moved on to something else. Now I want to do something. But I do like to hear, um, there's certain butteriness that I'm hearing from analog synths that right. I'm really attracted to right now. So right. I guess that's where my head currently is. Yeah, my you know my favorite electronic music is always the kind that you can you can listen to it twice mm. and you can mm. always pick up on like on new layers or new texture. You know, yes. um, maybe like a like I almost like it to be a little bit dirty because if it's oh, if it's too yeah. if it's too clean, it just it it like you said you can hear the math. It sounds calculated, yeah. right? Whereas if it's a little dirty. Uh, yeah. you, you, you can like, you, you hear new things on every re-listen, right? Yeah, there's the different harmonics you're hearing yet. Pile on the dirt, please. Absolutely. Uh, so what, um, what's your, like your platform of choice? Do you use like windows or do you use Mac? No, I, I use Mac. I'm on digital performer. I've been using digital performer for a while. Cool. And, um, yeah, I basically write very linear. So I guess like a composition. So I don't really right using loops much um it's just a linear process for me so i actually never owned a drum machine a friend of mine was just asking me recently for drum machine recommendations and <laughs> i was like you know i never owned a drum machine i just recently bought a drum module uh, a couple of years ago which is recently okay. um like you were saying with fruity loops i've actually never experienced working on that but i think that was windows only right yeah, it was, it was for the longest time, and it just I believe, I think it just recently finally there's a native uh, Mac client. It took mm. for, it took decades okay. for it to finally happen, but I think it did. It's still going, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, people are still <laughs> people are still using Fruity Loops. It's it's pretty crazy to think about because it goes back pretty darn far at this point. Yeah, I haven't heard that heard of that in a long time but that's pretty that's pretty funny someone asking you you know well you'd think of course you know you you'd have drum machines or whatever right but <laughs> yeah yeah i i just i i guess because you know when i started writing i just wrote kind of like a you know i was a songwriter i've been a songwriter so i wrote i arranged songs so it was i don't know it was just i just started and sort of worked my way through the song and without thinking of it in a loop-based fashion. Right. Which is sort of, um, I guess, not very common in my scene, in a way. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's super cool. And it sounds like you're the kind of person that you're you're always learning right you're you're never yeah. there's no yeah. there's no like end point in sight it's not like here's the goal and i want to hit the goal yeah it sounds like for you it's always kind of about the journey yeah i mean otherwise it's just you're you're done you know right absolutely <laughs> uh so how do you um how do you feel about uh streaming music services these days and sort of how how streaming mm. music services have kind of affected the the music industry you know um it's everywhere, right? It's great for fans. It's yeah. great as a fan. I think, you know, you go there, you listen to anything you want. It's like a vast library. But as an artist, it's been kind of shitty, you know, because the... Um, totally. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's killed off so many other avenues. And I feel like the, the compensation is just abysmal. Mm. So, so on that level, you know, as an artist, I'm... I'm I don't know. It's. I also want people to find my music. So on that level, it it works. Right. But I think there's got to be a better. Maybe. I mean, recently they just did that. Um. Uh, what's that? 
the Modernization Act or something that's just happened recently mm. and which um, which is going to help artists to a point because there's going to be, I think, a central repository of people that are um, going to be in charge of, I think, the mechanical royalties from streaming services. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, so that's good, but, I mean, I still kind of, it, it's a double-edged sword, ultimately, you know. Totally. Um, something that, that I was sort of lamenting with uh, Rob Sheridan when we had him on mm-hmm. the show was the yeah. sort of the the, um, the the lack of connection with fans, right? Like there's more you can get the word out to fans maybe better than you ever could, but That's, yeah, there's no liner notes. You don't have control right over the experience yeah, yeah. Uh, quite the way no. that you did in the in the album days. No, I actually, even albums are kind of dead. You totally, know, because, yeah. That's another problem. And, and that's, that hurts me. Right, me too, me too. <laughs> because, like, I love a body of work, you know, songs that are connected to each other that that as a whole sort of tell a story. Absolutely. Which, which I find that the fact is just such a singles-driven um, paradigm now that I feel like I've lost this whole way of telling a story a whole way artists have lost this it's just it's just not that big you know no one really cares about albums I st- i'm still putting out albums because you know I-, I care about it i care about the whole body of work but it's it's weird it's a sort of the the downside to the march of progress with technology is everything kind mm-hmm. of ultimately gets turned into a spreadsheet so that you know the second <laughs> the, the second yeah. that you can um access any song you want on a streaming service well it's mm-hmm. it's kind of inevitable that what's going to happen is there's someone behind the scenes looking at the download numbers and going well you know this one song is getting all of the download numbers right and so right, right. so the the entire industry starts to become this this machine that's just all about like all right who, how can we get the highest download numbers and it's all it's always like one hit song you know if i can just get right. one hit song and um you know it's always kind of been that way right you always you artists have always wanted radio play or or whatever but it feels like it's just become you know as technology makes it easy right yes um the whole industry shifts more to this this spreadsheet kind of driven mentality and it kind of sucks. I, I totally agree. It's like, it's uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of albums. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of artists, uh, you know, telling a story and frankly, yeah. like the kind of artists that release, you know, one song that's, that's pretty good. Um, right. t- tend to not be the artists I like very much. I, I, I like artists that I can, you know, uh, sink my teeth into their work and, and get to know them and get to know their music and, and whatever. Yeah, I feel like the the single driven market. I just I'm just not invested in the artist, you know, in that totally. way. That I'm I'm just not. I mean, it's it's become this sort of background music, sort of this sound clip, and it's not where the where you're really connecting to the artist and the art. You're really like the art is actually change like meaning something to you you know whereas single i mean it can be a great song but i just feel that there's still that lack of depth and the deeper connection you know yeah no i I totally agree it's um and there you know it's not to say that it's all bad but it it's it, it is frustrating right it's like the and it's it's funny too because now you have this resurgence of of vinyl right uh yes which i think is super interesting um 
for all sorts of reasons, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's bringing it back a little bit for the, for the kinds mm-hmm. of people maybe like you and I, um, and even younger people are kind of gravitating a little bit toward it. Oh yeah. A lot of young people are into it. Super interesting. Like from a technology point of view, it's like, well, it's certainly not, this is not the, <laughs> the, the better thing, but there is something about, uh, sitting down and, you know, just spinning a record and hear and 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 hearing it come off the record with a needle, uh, it, you feel you feel something, you know. Totally, it's it's the whole ritual of it, you know, and, and that's the part of the connection totally. that I, I feel. In fact, I was just talking to my um, mastering engineer a while ago, and he was saying, you know, we were talking about the resurgence of vinyl, and he was saying that this is still the best physical medium of because everything else is digital and tape doesn't last mm. you know your hard drives obviously are gonna there it's not digital i mean it's not analog yeah. but uh the 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 physical medium like with uh with vinyl it's still one of the most durable for i, I kind of n- never even thought about it right it didn't even occur to me but it's it's true which yeah. is weird but there you go you know what life is short Seriously, why aren't you messing around with complicated, difficult-to-set-up Wi-Fi? With Eero, there just isn't any need anymore for messy, difficult experiences setting up and maintaining a strong Wi-Fi signal throughout your house. The people behind Eero set out to do one thing, to create a product that delivers a fast, reliable connection in every room of your house, and even in your backyard. They accomplished this by bringing the idea of multiple Wi-Fi access points and mesh networking to consumers for the first time. I recently set up one of Eero's home systems that contains a base station and two access point units. This is seriously one of the best experiences I've ever had setting up any consumer tech product. I just downloaded the Eero app, plugged the base station into our modem, plugged in the two access point units, did some quick setup through the app, and I was off to the races. For the first time, my family is experiencing the same fast and reliable Wi-Fi throughout our entire two-story house. I cannot recommend this product enough. These new second-generation units offer even more speed and more range in the same elegant design that people have come to expect from Eero. They even now offer something called Eero Plus, which is designed to provide easy, trustworthy security that defends all of your connected devices against malware, phishing attacks, spyware, and unsuitable content. They use advanced security by checking the sites that you visit against a database of millions of known threats. And if you enable it, Eero Plus also offers content blocking, so you can choose what your kids can and can't get access to right from the Eero app. Last but not least, Eero Plus has ad blocking. That's right, you can get rid of annoying ads and pop-ups that plague the web, which doesn't just save you the headache of dealing with annoying ads, but vastly increases your browsing speed. The combination of Eero and Eero Plus provides complete protection and reliability over every person who connects to your network in your home. I love Eero, and I think you will too. So head over to Eero.com slash menu bar right now and snag $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons. And you get a year of Eero Plus. One more time, go over to Eero.com slash menu bar and get $100 off what's, in my opinion, the best Wi-Fi system on the market with a base station and two beacons and a year of Eero Plus. Thank you so much to our friends at Eero, and back to the show. So your your last two major releases, well, not counting this latest one, um, mm-hmm. were were funded what primarily through Kickstarter. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, what was that process like? Uh, what what led you down the road of wanting to do um, crowdfunding? Well, um, since I parted ways with my last label, 
um, just project. I just started to think about, you know, how do we do this? You know, how do we keep doing this and still, you know, be able to not be forever in the hole, basically. <laughs> right. And so it's kind of like, I think the first, um, first campaign I did was 2012, I think. Um, I think so. And, um, I think Kickstarter was just getting really big back then. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a scary thing because you really put yourself out there. You have no idea how it's going to be received, you know? Totally. But, but, it was just a shot in the dark. It was just, just, let's just see. And I was really frustrated too at that point for various reasons that was going on. And I just figured I'd give this a shot. And if people were into it, that's great. I'm going to just keep doing this. Right. And if not, maybe that's a message I need to hear as painful as it might be. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so it's, it was kind of scary putting myself out there and just. Yeah, totally. Because you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know if it's going to work. I have no idea, you know. Yeah. And it's been kind of uh, educational in a lot of ways. It's been great to kind of connect with people on that level, just one on one, and and you know, the social media has allowed for that. I mean, I have to say, as much as I, you know, have issues with it, <laughs> totally. Because and, and honestly, like being being your own label and artist, it's great, but it also fucking sucks because it's just so much work. Right. It's so much work that's taken away from, you know, what you, what I really want to do. And it's also now with a lot of like, for example, Facebook, um, you don't, you barely see page posts unless you pay. So it's just like a constant struggle and not even like 0.1% of the people see my posts unless I pay. Yeah. So it's pretty ridiculous on that level. So social media is becoming kind of harder to reach on certain levels. And, and people are saying, hey, keep going back to newsletter. And it's like back in the 90s head of newsletters again, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's still going. I mean, all the gurus keep telling you that, hey, newsletter is still the best way to reach people. I don't know. I don't know what exactly is the right way. So, you know, as an artist, as an artist who's also a label, I just have to keep trying to send it out on all basically all fronts gotcha. and it's it's exhausting because as a you know but but kickstarter you know even running that so getting the funding it's because you're constantly having to scream out because people like see it for a second and then it's gone you know and then it's gone from their timeline and then you know feed and then you won't see it so it's it's this i don't know it's just this like greatness of having all that access, but it's really not there for you unless, you know, you monetize it fully. So as an indie artist, I think it's hard for a lot of indie artists to constantly keep shouting out, you know, especially totally. for introverted artists. Um, it's, it's very against our nature. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's not in everyone, uh, you know, who's creative or an artist to also be an entrepreneur or also be um, a business expert. And increasingly, uh, artists such as yourself who, you know, maybe make uh, content that's, you know, it's uh, perhaps there's a, a possibility of mainstream impact, but it's kind of for a niche audience. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And it's, 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 it's super difficult if you, 
you know, you don't, you, on one hand, you kind of just want to focus on the work, but yeah, but you but, can't, but, but you can't. Yeah. yeah. You, these days you have to like know how to market your stuff. You have to know how to do all these things. You know, I think it's even, I think it's gotten actually tougher to get the word out in the last couple of years than it did when I first um, started Kickstarter. I think it's actually, um, I, think, I don't know if it's because the saturation is so much, but I definitely feel that it's harder to get the word out, even through like all all the social media that I have my presence in. Why Why do you suspect that that is? Um, I don't know why. I think because of a lot of this is the, the way the algorithms work, because everyone's in their own bubble. Yeah. Um, so it's not, you're not actually seeing posts real time. You're seeing obviously what, you know, companies think you want to see. So um, that makes it harder. I think the, I think Twitter is also doing that, right? Twitter has been doing the algorithm too. They've they've been going more and more down that road. Yeah. Facebook has started it a while ago. So that's when I started seeing the post um, visibility, like remarkably, um, you know, nosedive. Yeah. I, uh, I see that too. You know, it used to be that you could go on uh, on Twitter and you know you could rely on the fact that at least mm-hmm. you, the the people who follow you would see right. everything that you say. Whereas whereas now you kind of have to sit there and wonder: Should I like retweet my own tweet twelve times because I don't have yeah. a clue whether or not people are actually seeing it? And then the five people whose, you know, bubble you happen to be in, right? they're going to see those 12 tweets and be like, what the fuck? You totally. Know? Yeah. No. You, so you're, you know, you're afraid you're annoying, uh, you know, half your audience yeah. by, by constantly saying, in case you missed this, you know? Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, if you don't do it, then there's this if chance. You don't do that, it. Yeah. yeah. It's a super difficult thing. I mean, I run into it even even with this show. Uh, yeah, you know, I I think I retweeted my last episode like three times today just to make sure that I hit all of the uh, all all of the times, <laughs> right? But yeah, I mean, uh, recently I would say Instagram has been the best um, percentage wise, the best sort That's of. That's interesting. Like, yeah, I get you know ten to twenty percent easily, whereas uh, Facebook is not even point one percent. It's fucking terrible <laughs> yeah it, well as facebook increasingly is kind of it's becoming kind of like yelp you know like like, it's y- dead. like yelp, yeah. yelp business where you uh you get these annoying phone calls from yelp if you're a small business and they'll like at, you know say hey do you, you want to increase exposure right. of your of your business and <laughs> it's kind of a racket right it's sort of done like that platform is kind of done but i can't quite leave it because that's where i have my biggest following yeah so so even though i i've been you know i wish i could leave that platform for many reasons totally i can't yeah do do you do you feel like facebook is 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 done now when you say that you do you mean done is in terms of innovation or do you mean done in terms of you think people are leaving or both i feel like a bunch of people i know have left uh i wish i could leave and i feel like it's been bad for small businesses like myself um so I have noticed a bunch of artists that I have talked to that all say the same thing, that it's hard. I mean, not not all of us can afford like a daily budget for right. Facebook visibility. So, um, I mean, I know Instagram is – Facebook owns Instagram, so I don't know where that's going to go. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh... <laughs> – it's too bad that that Facebook had to go and buy Instagram because <laughs> <I know. laughs> Instagram was such a good company, right? And 
but and, and for the most part like it's been okay but we all kind of yeah. know in the background it's like eh, it's, they, gonna, they... it's also gonna die I totally don't know, but yeah didn't yeah. um instagram's ceo or say something about advise people to leave facebook oh, what's that? uh yeah i think i think that was a <laughs> I thing I, I can't remember the exact quote or or who said it but yeah yeah so i don't know what that says about right um, so, so yeah, something else I'd like to talk to you about is, uh, so, I, I, I take it you, you follow like current world events and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. does any of that kind of bleed through into your, into your music or into your creative work? Or would you say that your songs are, are more personal? Um, some definitely, um, some of it definitely, you know, creep in, did creep in. Um, but Mostly I write about, mostly I have written about personal stuff, um, but external events do affect you personally, affect one personally. So, yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, where we are now, it's, it's, it's even so bad that it's hard to even get inspired right. because I feel like I personally have to have a certain level of, um, I guess, st- mental stability, um, to be able to write, to be creative. I think if I'm just constantly in a state of anger and outrage, as I have been, mm. um, it's hard to channel. It's hard to channel because you so much of your energy goes to just holding yourself together from the, the, the chaos, you know, that's just all around us right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be hugely inspiring to, um, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, crazy. I mean, you can look at like times in history, right? Where right. there have been crazy, horrible things that have happened. Right. And, right. but, but really great art kind of came out as a result because artists would go and they'd kind of deal with the, uh, you know, those harsh realities or whatever through their music. And then the music would be kind of a way to, uplift people and i don't i don't know why it is but it feels like that has kind of stalled maybe maybe this is just my own sense but like it, it feels like particularly with with mu- mainstream music mm-hmm. yeah. um it doesn't feel like music is super reflective of no. uh, things that are actually happening anymore isn't that strange no i think if you t- no if you're talking about like the you know the 60s when people were writing protest songs totally and you know in 70s i think the whole um vietnam thing and i think i think now music is such i mean it's always been a business but i think it's to a point now i don't think it's ever been where it's such a commodity it doesn't have room for anything like that. It doesn't have, it barely has room to make a statement, mainstream music that is. It's, um, it's, it's kind of obscene, you know? It's, it's kind of, you know, music isn't really allowed to be truly, um, no. dangerous anymore, you know? No, because artists, I mean, they used to be, you know, people were outspoken. I mean, some of them are, but it's just not, not your mainstream artist to the point that, I think we've had in the past or they're outspoken and they're crazy. Right. It's just, or, or they're outspoken and they're, you know, their albums are burned or something. Totally. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just to a point where it's, and also I think people take less chances um, on a whole. I think people are just really into playing it safe. 
and that's a problem to me. Isn't isn't that interesting? Given the fact that there's more opportunity than ever to sort of say right. say or do anything that you want, and there, there's a sort of infinite tools available. Yet, right. um, yet people feel more risk averse than ever. Right. Right, and like you have so much potential knowledge in your pocket with Google, you can search whatever you want, yet people are so perpetually stupid. Right. And, you know, (laughs) I don't understand why, you know, how it's like, if you want to know something, just look it up. You can't just like repeat the bubble you're in. It's just unbelievable. And I, I just don't know what to say. I feel like it's a big, big um, obstacle. Now I don't really know how we would go. We'd overcome this because as knowledge has become more readily available, people have become more, I don't know, averse to knowledge. It's its weird. People don't want to seek it out. Whereas when you had to actually travel or go to the library or whatever if you did, um, I don't know if you were so proud about your ignorance. I think people somehow are there's taking pride in ignorance. I don't understand that. Well, I would say, I would almost say they're like, I would I would say they're averse to learning to add to yeah. to true yeah. to like true learning and what you know what I mean by learning is like actually going out and finding out about something that you don't know anything about right um, yes and like we were talking about before everything these days is so um, so business driven so you know mm-hmm. algorithms and and people kind of you don't really need to learn and people aren't really incentivized to do so. Um, Maybe that's it. Yeah. When every Google search is kind of kicking you back more of whatever it is that you're looking for, it's like, you're never, you're never getting that. Based on your pre- what you search for, you know, or what you tend to search for, what you look for or what your friends search for. I don't know. So you're never really getting counter programming. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel I'm a big believer in counter program. Like it's a bit, it's part of why I decided to do this show is like, okay. uh, you know, I'll do a technology show, but I'm going to like do crazy episodes about really, you know, bonkers mm-hmm. stuff like, um, you know, discuss the impact of, of, uh, technology on religion or, or so, you know, mm. cr- crazy yeah. stuff. You know, people are expecting Apple news and, and they get this instead. Yeah, <laughs> because 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 of this problem, right? Because yeah, yeah. because of this problem that I don't feel like people people get the kind of counter programming that they need. Where you know, it, it used to be that we had a kind of like that it was it was bad because there were less ways to get information, right? Mm, um, yeah. Not not so long ago, right? You get you'd get magazines or newspaper or. Um, you know, watch the same news channels. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, those things were weirdly like when something would break through, um, right. everybody knew about it and everybody would have to learn about it, you know? Mm. Whereas these days, it's like you kind of don't have to do that and you can have like 10,000 different. Uh, niches, say, or or right. interest groups, and everybody can kind of just stay where they're at. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a it's a very uh, very different world, right? I don't know. No, you're absolutely right. Pro- probably a little, probably pro- probably a little bit deeper than you were thinking you were going to get no, on I'm, this. I'm, I'm still thinking about uh, technology on you know religion, right? <laughs> effect of technology on religion. I never thought about that. Oh yeah, no, we had um we had a, a Christian transhumanist on uh, a few episodes back, and it was pretty cool. It was like, 
very different kind of perspective on religion. He um, he's a Christian who believes that technology is sort of like the only the only path to salvation, which is oh, okay. not uh, <laughs> not your typical uh, Christian point of view. Isn't it? Isn't it? I thought Christian point of view. Was, oh, well, you know, I'm not an authority, but I thought the whole thing of Christianity was that that's how you get saved. Well, sure, but 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 as tech, but technology as like the thing that you know, and, oh, and also tra- transcending through technology. Got it. Yeah, like this. This guy thinks that um, the you know the way for humans to sort of save themselves is to eventually be uploaded into uh, some. <laughs> some cloud somewhere <laughs> like, it, it was oh, a, it, it was a super interesting perspective um very 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 interesting totally right and uh, yeah, yeah. That's, just, that's just that's the kind of bonkers stuff that that, that i like to do <laughs> um, <laughs> or have you on right like uh you know t- t- tons of, i just like to bring in as much diversity into the show as humanly possible right um definitely so let's see um Oh, the, another thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, yeah. So on your most recent release, uh, mm-hmm. which I believe is called, uh, gosh, I have, I have Shore, it right in front Shore's of me. Shores Unknown. Shores Unknown, yeah. your latest EP. Um, right. So two tracks on that were used for a video game, is that correct? Yes. Uh, called Agony. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that a situation where the tracks were, were licensed or what, what, did you create those specifically for that video game? I created them for the game. Um, oh, I was cool. talking to the developer, um, contacted me, and uh, um, turned out he was an AL fan. And cool. uh, So he basically had um, told me about the what the game is about, and he wanted a couple of songs. And he also licensed um, First Man from Creator One. But these two songs were written for, for the game, kind of um, the lyrics are kind of based on I guess the premise of the the premise of the game, you know, being this hellish underworld, and there's this red goddess who's, you know, the boss, you know, this boss villain, and uh, so so yeah, so those were created. I think I wrote those songs um, a year, a couple of years ago, something like that. And uh, so I had these songs, and we talked about just you know putting it out as a as an EP, so you know fans can have access to it. And then I just wrote an extra like a sort of a B-side, if you can call it that, a third track, and then there's a couple of mi- couple of remixes on that. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the the initial trailers for that game. I never, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but the initial trailers for it were just like absolutely crazy. Like it was this <laughs> this game where you're like basically wading through hell, as far as I could tell. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's. I actually have to say I haven't played it, but um, yeah, it's um. You're you're in this underworld and you and the whole you're trying to get out basically. Uh, it's, it's certainly must have been interesting um, getting contacted by them to <laughs> you know specifically yeah. you to, to to make music <laughs> for this game, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess um, he had this particular song from one of my older albums that he was a fan of, and he kind of gave that to me as a as a reference track. That's super and, cool, you know, and you know what the story is about and you know so so i drew a lot of the lyrical content from the story kind of uh, you know the underworld and going red goddess and you basically pray to her you can and so i thought it was kind of up my alley it worked right out, you know? 
And um, and this latest release is. Did you release it? I I can't remember. Did you release it for free or is it something? Yeah, this is a free EP. Yeah, that's super cool. So that's something that um that listeners can they can go and download to you know kind of get totally. a, get a yeah. feel for your your music. Yeah, totally. It's it's a free EP. Uh, it's a Bandcamp exclusive. Um, so you I, know. I love Bandcamp. I, I love Bandcamp. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish more people would would kind of get on board with using Bandcamp because it's such a it's a way better deal for artists and artists have so much more kind of control over that situation. Yeah, it's been and they're they're really great and their support is great. It's been it's been all positive, really. Yeah, and and you're so you're no longer on a label at all, right? No, currently I'm not. That's that's cool. So you, do you do you own like everything that you've ever done or Yes. <laughs> wow. So yeah. there there's no like legal hell with trying, you know, anytime you want to like license something out or whatever. Yeah, no, there's uh, I own everything now and you know whatever the past two labels I was on and you know those the time frame has passed, so I own everything for since since the beginning <laughs> that's kind of amazing that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of really cool you've got a, i mean you've got an incredible you know body of work and and you actually own it all um yeah so you re- you really are kind of the female Trent Reznor. <laughs> <laughs> does he own it all i don't, I don't know oh uh, well, no not all of it but yeah. like the majority of it i believe i'm sure the major labels still have some kind of uh, oh I, i'm sure they do yeah. they they yeah. they don't get their yeah their their teeth are probably in there somewhere it's gotta be <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, uh, so uh, I I have never seen you live. I don't believe. Oh, where are you um, based? I'm I'm in the Seattle area. Oh, okay. And I I believe you've been here, and I've just I've always managed to miss you every time you've you've been here live. We may be coming up next year. We'll see. Ooh. There's there's talk of that. So cool. Well, next time you're here, I'll definitely have to come out to uh, to see you. Um, would you do you consider like live performance as a huge part of of what you do? Um, you know, there's been a bunch of years where I haven't toured, and I'm trying to get back to it because I miss it. I miss it. We just toured this year, and that re sort of reignited that bug, and yeah. it's a totally different experience. Obviously, you're connecting with fans one on one, like face to face, and it's a buzz that you don't really get in the studio. I don't get in the studio. So um, it's not been a huge part of AL because I don't tour all the time, but I'd like to change that. I think it was it was a good experience this year going out. Cool. So I'm looking to do more shows come come next year, and we're actually playing a show in Tijuana, Mexico, um, oh, cool. December. Yeah, never been there, so really looking forward to it. Should be great tacos. <laughs> do you, do you, do you do a lot of uh, like artistic stuff with your live performances, or do you is it is it pretty straightforward? It's been pretty straightforward. It's a, it's a three piece right now. Uh, we're going to be incorporating some um, film in the in the future. We're talking about you know, working on that now. Cool. So, um, but this the past tour we was just pretty much um, in vocals. Cool. That's that, that's awesome. Yeah, no. So uh, so we can expect more touring from you, and I assume you have uh, you know more music in the works. Yes, yes, definitely. Always music in the works, um, and looking to tour next year. But do you think you're you're going to use uh, Kickstarter again for your next big project, or? Um, you know, I, I'm. That's what I'm leaning towards now. I'll have to see when I'm ready to launch it. When I'm ready to get there, what how it's going and. 
what's going on and what other options are there. Cool. So, um, yeah, so I'm, as of now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so actually, so last question for you because mm-hmm. I, I just uh, – I've, I've wondered this ever since um, it, it, it came out. Does it ever bug you that Google went with the name Android for the, oh, the, the operating me. system? <laughs> it bugs me to no end. I fucking hate Google for this. Right. I will never forgive Google for this. <laughs> Ooh, there, there's an episode title right there. I will never forgive Google. There we go. That's, that is the show title uh, right there. I have people following my accounts that are just Android developers, and I just started blocking them because... I got to tell you, it drives me crazy because every time uh, I mention you to anybody, they're like, what is that? Is that an Android news website? And I'm like, oh my God, this... Like, oh, fuck uh. you. <laughs> and I don't, like, I don't ever want you to change your name. That's your name, but fuck Google. Yes, it was done way fucking before Google ever fucking dreamed of this. So. Just, right. If, <laughs> just fuck Google is, I hope, the conclusion of this uh, <laughs> this conversation. I would second that heartily. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, um, so it's been a lot of fun having you on. Uh, you know, uh, I, you know. good luck to all of your ventures in the future. I hope to see you next time you are touring. Thank um, you. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of plug at the end? Obviously, AndroidLust.com is where people can find... AndroidLust.com and, you know, support independent artists. I do have, a, like, a monthly subscription thing on a, via Bandcamp. Right. So, which is, like, you get my entire catalog and anything new I make um, instantly. Everybody should go and do that, yeah. Yes. So, um, so that's it, you know, and just keep supporting independent music, listen to music, you know. And have fun. All right. Cheers to that. (laughs) All right, Zach. Thank you very much. Thank you.